0: Welcome to The Nine Design, a podcast where we look at all nine Enneagram types in light of our culture as Aussies and our faith as followers of Jesus. I'm Seth, a creative
1: from Adelaide. And I'm Serena, a coach, and I live in Melbourne, and we're excited to have you join us for The Nine Design.
0: Let's dive into the creative ways that we have been designed. Welcome to episode three of season one. This is a podcast all about the Enneagram and spirituality through the lens of Aussies. We're going to be covering a lot in the episodes to come, exploring all nine Enneagram types through the intelligence centers. We're going to look at the different connections between those types that are unseen, and we're going to spend some time listening to your questions and responding to it. And of course, the whole season will wrap up and end with an interview. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you find it helpful, we would love you to subscribe and share with your friends or leave a review as that helps other people find us. Now, in our last episode, we introduced the centers of intelligence, where people primarily process life through either their head, their heart, or their gut, and each personality will lead with one of those, even though we can tap into all of them, we have a strong one. So if you haven't heard the last episode, please get onto that, it'll, it'll give a good intro, but today we're going to go even deeper into that.
1: Yeah, today we'll be focusing primarily on the body center of intelligence. Remember, people in the body center primarily process through instinct and intuition. They experience life through their bodies. Their most accessible response or reaction is anger and frustration. The question for the body types is, how am I doing? Because they want to make sure they're taking the right action wherever they are. Now, the following type descriptions are baseline for each type. It doesn't take into account subtypes, different gifts, preferences, talents, etc. Remember how we spoke about Everyone wearing different sunglasses. And this is what we're just focusing on just the sunglasses. We're not talking about the whole person, we're talking about their personality type. And this is just going to be a brief sweep over that personality type.
0: Right. So there are so many different shades under each personality. And often people will ha- give a specific name for each type. Um, we're going to refer to them as the number. Um, but it's, it is helpful because often those names focus on a behavioural and outward action that they have, which usually sums them up pretty well. Um, but there's lots of different takes on that, lots of different names talking about different skills and things like that. So we will mention them in this episode, but you'll probably hear us referring to them mainly as the number. So we're going to start off by looking at the gut and the body intelligence center. And we're actually going to start with type eight instead of, you know, where you think we might start. um, Would you tell us why we're starting with type eight?
1: The idea behind that is type eights, once they hear all about their personality, I'll sit and stay uh, because I see myself in that. And then we end on a type seven because type sevens if they are told all about their type first, they won't listen to all the other types. and they'll want to. They'll want to just go. Okay, I'm good now. I'll. I'll. I'll leave this conversation.
0: Usually, in general, that's what <laughs> yeah. happens. So, with the type A, there are different names, uh, and they're all helpful. Uh, so, one of them is called the Challenger. Another might refer to them as the powerful person uh, or the protector. Now, these these are good ways uh, to highlight some of their strengths. But there's so much more depth and character in a Type 8. So could you just share some of the the, the characteristics of a Type 8? Mm.
1: And I think that name that you said, the protector, just really alludes to their basic desire to protect themselves and those in their inner circle. They can be controlling of others and their environment because of this desire, because they want to protect people. And they're looking around going, well, that's not the right thing, way to do things. And if you do it that way, you might make a sta- mistake and get hurt. Or so it's from that desire of protection, they can push boundaries, uh, and they have no problem with that. They are comfortable in conflict. They can be called hundred percenters because they just give a hundred percent of all they are into everything they do. They have a clear and direct communication style.
0: Yeah, they'll they'll tell you exactly what they're thinking.
1: <laughs> yes, pretty clearly. <laughs> yep. And as they are in the body intelligence center, they will act, you know, they, and they won't, they won't worry about waiting or having all their boxes ticked. They'll just act, they'll go into action and that's where they feel most comfortable. They trust their gut and they are motivated, as we mentioned last episode, by autonomy and respect. They want independence and they will assert themselves to get it. They make great leaders because when they walk into a room, they are assessing who is in leadership here. And if no one is, if they perceive no one is taking strong leadership, then they will assume that leadership position. As we mentioned, they are good at confrontation when healthy, and they don't shy away from that. So they will confront issues that need to be confronted. They don't like things being swept under the rug or the passive aggressiveness. You know, they they will just be assertive and aggressive if needed.
0: And, and they kind of feel loved when you push back on some of that. So yeah, like when you're showing that level of. Uh, aggressiveness, not not in a bad way, but when you're you're showing you care enough mm. to talk, you know, like that, they love that.
1: Yeah, you're right. They do feel loved by that, and that doesn't scare them. It scares a lot of other people, <laughs> a lot of other types, but for a type eight, that's where they feel most alive. They love to empower and protect others. Yeah,
0: one of my favorite things about the type eight is their ability to advocate. On others' behalf. Like, they just really notice the people who need help or the people who are struggling or the underdog or the ones who aren't being heard, and they get behind them. And with that power, that, that leadership, that courageousness, they're able to actually help those ones. That's, that's why the word the protector comes to mind when, when people think of an eight. There's this desire to prove innocence, to be the one who is not uh, abusing the innocent, to be the one who is not um, stepping on other people. Mm. They've got this desire, even though sometimes they can be the ver- the very one who's stepping on people. Mm. And because of this compulsion to protect, uh, there's this overwhelming feeling of innocence and guilt, right? There's guilt of what would happen if uh, I don't protect the innocent person. Um, so it's this really tight rope that they have to walk on. Mm. This is something that uh, is, is really important. It's mm. really helpful, but can also be a bit dangerous.
1: Yeah, because then they can assume a place of power because they, they don't want to be walked over. They don't want to be controlled. Their, their fear, their core fear is being weak or betrayed, and they don't want to be at the mercy of injustice. That's because they struggle with lust.
0: Uh, what sort of lust? Lust.
1: Mm. So not the typical lust that you might be thinking of, Seth. Uh-huh. It's more of an excess, this desiring intensity. So, yeah, anything intense, it's that lust for life, you know, okay. if you've heard that phrase before. Uh, and they will push themselves willfully on people in order to get what they desire. And that is actually a form of their expression of anger, you know how we mentioned that the...
0: Right. They're in yep. the gut triad mm. and you said they struggle with the anger side. Yeah. So so the way they express anger is more uh, of that pushiness that, okay, yep.
1: Yeah, their anger is, is expressed outward and I think if you know a type 8, you will know what I'm talking about. So that is purely to hide those vulnerabilities uh, and th- they're not angry for the sake of anger. It is a really accessible, easy, natural emotion for them to feel, but it's basically to protect themselves and to hide their vulnerabilities. This can be intimidating for those around them. And they're not necessarily meaning to be intimidating. This is just who they are. This is how they function. Um, But it can come across as intimidating. They have these really high expectations on themselves and can place those on other people around them as well. And that's because they they have this longing, they do not want to be betrayed. And so they put these expectations, they put them on people pretty quickly in their relationship, because they're testing them to go, are you going to leave me? Are you going to betray me? And that's what they're fearing the most. And I think it also shows the the pathway of you know of the the healthiest type eight you know can look like a lovely balance and tension of power and protection.
0: Yeah, man, eights they are a gift to humanity. We we need them in in our group. They are the ones that speak up for others. They're the ones who actually uh, have the strength and the power to get things done. I'm I'm so grateful for the eights in my life. Mm. Um, when especially when they're healthy, they they are mm. a power to. Like a force it's very hard to you know to say no to because they're just so on mark Mm -hmm. uh, and so aware of the needs of others
1: Mm, absolutely what I personally love about type eights and it's a gift to me is that they are unambiguous what you see is what you get and I really don't like ambiguity it makes me feel unsafe and I think with type eight I feel like what I see is what I get I know that they're going to be straight with me even if I don't like what they say to me or if I don't agree with it I do know that they're telling me the honest truth.
0: Look, it, w- it might be kind of fun uh, for those people who are trying to work out, maybe I'm an eight. Um, there's certain phrases. and Now, this is very general, so please hear us when we say this. But we found that there are certain phrases that eights uh, – and and all the other types will actually say a lot of. We've heard our friends mm. say these over and over, and uh, I thought it might be fun for mm. us to say one or two, maybe three phrases that uh, you may hear an eight say type of a thing.
1: So the first one is, I'd rather be strongly wrong than weakly right. Oh, that's so good. I love that.
0: <laughs> well, what about this one, right? Sooner or later, they'll realise who's really in charge. Oh, right? absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they just walk into a room. They'll, they'll get it eventually.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, I can't believe Joe let them walk over her like that. Oh, I've actually heard
0: someone say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and it's, again, that beautiful thing of how could that person let someone else, you know, do that to them? It's just yeah. wrong. It's not right. I need to fix that. And yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's a great...
1: So there you have it, type 8s. We love you. We think you're a gift to humanity. You're an asset to any team, family, friendship circle we have. And we hope those of you listening who might identify with these type 8 qualities for yourself, or maybe if you're listening and you you hear some of these qualities reflected in people around you, we hope that this has given you a really helpful grasp on all the different qualities and aspects that a type 8 has and to see them as you know, their gifts and their strengths and their weaknesses.
0: Yeah, remember the Enneagram is an empathetic tool. It helps us step into each other's shoes and see the world through their lens. And God has designed us to need each other. We need eights in our circles. We need eights in our families because they help us see an element of God's power and his strength and his ability to to lead. Okay, type nines. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about type nines. I'm married to a type nine, mm-hmm. so uh, I like talking about them. Type nines, just like every other uh, type, have different names that really do capture an element of them. Some of the names, are the, the peacemaker, the peaceful person, the mediator, you, you kind of see there's a, a pattern there. Um, mm-hmm. What, what a, well, let's, let's talk about more characteristics because those names don't capture everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Let's let's dig into that.
1: I feel like the the peacemaker or the the you know the peaceful person that word peace really speaks to the the core desire of a type 9. They desire to have inner stability and peace of mind. Yeah. And that is why they're called the peacemaker. Mm-hmm. And they create peace wherever they go. So they desire to bring peace as well as have inner peace. It's sort of an outer and an inner Type nines, they're an interesting one. They are in the middle of the body intelligence center and every type that's in the middle of their intelligence center is called an anchor point. Now, that's a funny funny title. You may have heard that before. But I'll explain what that is. So for uh, the type nine, because the type nine is in the center of the body center...
0: Is right in the He's
1: middle. Is <laughs> right in the middle of the body center. They don't have access to the head or the heart space on either wing. So that's why they're the anchor point, and that's why all of that gut body energy is so intense and focused that they don't express themselves that way. They have to find other ways of expressing it. They will receive the information through their body and, and their, or their intuition. You know, that's the first place they will, like all other body center people. And but they will process through feeling and thinking,
0: even though they're in the gut, okay? yeah, and and so very different to like an eight and a one that just seem to just boom, jump, do it quick, fast. Mm. Um, nines will often come across a little bit more subdued, a little bit more um chilled, easier, mellow, like that sort of thing. and
1: yeah, and and you wouldn't think that with all of those things you said, you know, they're mellow, they're chilled. Uh, that they would be motivated by autonomy and respect like all the other body intelligence people because they seem to just be go with the flow. But they actually do want independence. They, They withdraw to have their own space. When their outer world is filled with chaos or it's not peaceful, they like to retreat into their quiet spaces in order and that makes them feel like, oh, I have my own, this is my own independence. This is my autonomy. This is where I can feel peace by myself. Because when they're around people, they're always, their body is always taking in all of the, the possibilities for conflict that could arise around them. And they're trying to mediate that at all times. You know, how can I keep the peace, keep everything calm, keep it settled? Where yeah. Whereas yeah. when they're by themselves, they don't have to think that way.
0: Right. And and to do that twenty four seven, constantly feeling what everyone else is feeling and, and trying to understand what they're thinking. I mean, nines are the best at stepping into other people's shoes. So we're talking about empathetic people. They're the best at that. But there's so much energy goes into that. So often we'll find that nines uh, seem more tired all the time. Like they, they need to pull away, they need to rest, they need like uh, yeah, they need a lot more of that.
1: And because they're in the body center, they feel that energy depletion in their body first. And I'm not meaning that every type nine will be an introvert. That's not what I'm saying about that. It's just they need a bit more of that recharge time alone um, because that's where they will get that autonomy that they're looking for.
0: Every type has their struggles. Um, What are some areas of challenge for a type nine?
1: Well, the core struggle for a type nine is actually named sloth. And that may sound... Like laziness, it may sound really bad. And it conjures up images of, you know.
0: A really slow, hairy creature. Yeah, absolutely. Is that what we're meant to think of for (laughs) a night? No? Okay.
1: No. When I'm talking about sloth, I'm actually meaning uh, a remaining in this unrealistic, idealistic place of peace, which we know if you live in a world... In this world, you can't. Like, that's impossible. Um, But they just want to – they don't want to be disturbed by anyone else's, especially their own anger. So we mentioned before that all body types struggle with anger. The type nines tend to fall asleep to their own anger – falling asleep to their anger is just one of the ways that type nines when they're not in a healthy place can fall asleep to a lot of their own feelings their passions their abilities their own desires their needs sometimes even their own worth because everyone else can come above them and this is this is something we call merging and they merge with others often a significant other like a a partner or a parent or a really, really close friend. It would have to be a significant relationship, but they'll merge with that other person to keep the peace and harmony within the relationship. And what merging means is they'll suppress their own opinions. They will blend into the other person's preferences and they almost become like someone who doesn't have a personality of their own.
0: Right, right. Or it's it's hard to see it for themselves. Mm. Like others might be able to see, but they've kind of lost themselves in yes. that because they're living vicariously through the people around them.
1: Yeah. Or it's even like, it doesn't matter what my preferences are Yep. because, the, you know, as long as that person's happy, then I'm happy and everything's happy.
0: Right. And that that can be pretty unhealthy. Um Are there any other things that sort of the the nine struggles with, maybe the way that they uh, uh, live that out?
1: Yeah, the way that the nines will uh, express their anger, like we've said that they suppress and repress, sometimes unconsciously disassociate from their anger as well, and that's that's a way for them to avoid the conflict, avoid the separation from their significant others. At type nine, conflict physically troubles them. And how it often comes out is in forms of like passive aggression, hmm. uh, in little spurts. Uh, they might dig their heels in over things that might not seem important, but it's because they're making a stand on something. And when they've made a stand on something, it's like, well, this yeah. is i got to stand for something, you know, It's because it, they don't do it so much of the time. So when they do it, it's like, I'm going to do it. And uh, another way you can experience a nine's anger is through maybe a deep freeze kind of, you know, they may just cut you off and stop talking for a few days and you might feel like you're in the deep freeze. And often when a type nine expresses anger, if it is a little outburst of actual anger, it freaks everyone else out because they've never seen them like that. But it especially freaks them out because they're like, oh, whoa, well, where did that come from? But it's that constant suppressing and repressing that's kind of – it's sort of down there anyway. But it sometimes, very rarely, will bubble up and come out somehow. But yeah. often it's more in that passive-aggressive. So. And, the,
0: and the problem with some of that stuff is this is where that guilt comes in. Because as they're doing it to a coping mechanism, there's also this sense of, oh, know that that was the like, – I shouldn't have done that. Like, that's – but – I don't have the capacity to change, so I'm just—I just feel terrible now, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and it's this—this this, again, this other tension where they're stuck in feeling terrible but unable to change that, um, which, yeah, that would—that'd be hard to carry. Mm-hmm. That'd be very hard mm-hmm. to carry. Some of the really healthy things about a nine uh, would be the fact that they can, when they are doing really well, they can stand between two polar opposites, see both points of view, and be a great mediator. I mean, that's one of the names people give them, to be able to stand in between in that gray area and be very comfortable there, which a lot of other types can't do that. Um, they're also highly, highly empathetic. Like, they totally get what it means to step into someone else's shoes. When they are healthy, they are the best listeners that I know. They are the best uh, affirmers because, you know, they're never going to just throw their own opinion on you. They're, they actually draw your opinion out and uh, really, really amazing counsellors and therapists.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they are the ones that you might experience as being super even keeled. You know, they don't experience many highs and lows. That keeps them open to receiving a lot of different opinions being receptive to a lot of different points of view and being able to see others, for who they truly are, and come up with these win-win solutions to problems that other people won't see.
0: Right. Another really good thing is they usually come across very – chilled very mellow very relaxed they're easy to hang out with easy to talk to they're just great to have around like if you have any nines in your group um they you yeah it's not that you ever overlook them you you so appreciate them being there like they're not overlooked but they often seem like they're a little bit behind the scenes they're just there encouraging supporting you know listening um but they are awesome awesome to have around uh, so a few things that you might hear a nine say, uh, again, very general, but uh, you would hear them say something like, and I'm saying this because I definitely have heard this, but a phrase like this, yeah, let's go with what you said. <laughs> you know, like just, that sounds good. We'll roll with that.
1: Yeah, one one I've heard that my dad has said quite often uh, in regards to, you know, if we're going out for dinner or we're choosing an outing for the day, he would often say, I don't mind, you decide. Right. You know, when we ask him, what do you want for dinner? I don't mind, what yeah. do you want? Yeah, whatever. You choose. Doesn't worry me, you choose.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, one that my wife uh, regularly says, uh, and it's not out of frustration, it's, it's genuine, I just don't understand. But she'll often say, why do, why do people get so worked up about that? You know, like, because why Why are we causing an issue? Let's yeah, just what's chill the big deal? Out. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, so those, those are some phrases that maybe if you're a nine or, or you know people like that, you would have heard them say. And again, we just want to affirm nines because they can easily be overlooked or feel overlooked, and that is just not true. They are worth listening to. You as a nine are worth speaking out. Like We need to hear what you have to say. We need people like you who can mediate, stand in between two people, and see both sides very clearly. Um, We love the way God has designed you, and we are so appreciative for the nines who are in our families and in our circles and very, very thankful that you reflect God in a way that we can. not so thank you for being you, Nines. Please keep speaking up. All right, we're up to the third and final type in the Body Intelligence Center. We're talking about the Type one. And like all the others, they have names that have been allocated to them. Really good, really helpful names. Uh, But again, they don't capture everything. But I'm going to say a couple of them, and you'll see there's some uh, similarities. So some of the names are the reformer, the good person, and the perfectionist, to name a few. Now, all of those have this element of um, doing the right thing the right way. Uh, And this is pretty, pretty. common and a, a big theme in the ones.
1: That's because for type ones they have this underlying fear of being wrong or bad evil, corrupt um, they, they just don't want to be inappropriate uh, they can see imperfections uh, one of my friends who's a type one said to me that she's not looking for mistakes that mistakes assault her
0: oh wow, mm. mistakes assault her, mm-hmm. okay.
1: So those imperfections that, you know, a type 1 might might see really clearly and be pointing out, um, and the, the title, hence the title of the perfectionist, isn't from a place of scanning the environment, scanning everything they see for imperfections. Those imperfections are coming at them at full right. force.
0: They're very obvious. They're very yeah. obvious okay.
1: and they're very present. Uh, they have a desire to be good, have integrity, be balanced, Accurate, right. And that lines up with the perfectionist. So it, these things, that's why they see all these imperfections and seek to correct them. So can you imagine living with that, and then trying to fix that without coming across as being overly critical or perfectionistic?
0: Yeah, that that would be a hard uh, a hard backpack to carry around. You know, mm. like it'd be heavy. Like I, one of my close friends is a one, and th- the phrase or the thought of being a reformer uh, just sums him up. Like he has such a desire to see uh, things done right and done well, uh, and he's constantly battling. He's got this this tension of where he he wants he wants to love the people around him. But he can see it can be done way, way better and he wants to make it work but doesn't know how to tell him without, you know, like there's this tension. I, I would find it hard to sort of carry that around all the time um, and that's what he's got.
1: Absolutely. And they can they can be mistyped for type 8s because sometimes when they're trying to express that, as you were mentioning, it can come across as clear and direct like an 8, um, maybe controlling, maybe critical. It can also come across as teaching or preaching even moralizing and you can feel uh, this judgment from them, this criticism. and if you don't know the internal motivations, what's going on inside of a type 1, you can take that personally and it can it can feel like you're never good enough for them.
0: Right. So what is going inside of them?
1: Yeah, that's because they are experiencing something called an inner critic. Now, we all have this inner critic inside our heads. You know, that voice that's like, oh, that that's not good enough. You should do that again. Or, you know, finding fault, especially within yourself. And But for a type 1, it's the most loud of all the types. It is noted that type 1s can hear this inner critic up to 90% of their waking hours. Wow. It's important to note that the inner critic, that voice... Isn't the voice of the Holy Spirit, and that's something where for ones this is such an important key, and and to learn how to switch off to that, or at least dial down the volume on that inner critic, is something only the Holy Spirit can help you do.
0: Okay, so the majority of what they're hearing uh, often is criticizing themselves. Yes. Right, and then, so then how's that play out around them?
1: Yeah, so all body types struggle with anger, as we mentioned. For an eight, it is an outward expressed anger. It is an assertive anger. For a nine, it's, it's a suppressed and a repressed anger. And so it doesn't even look like anger. And for a type one, it comes out, it, it is repressed in a drive to control that anger because the anger is seen as bad and evil and a wrong emotion to express to the world around them. But what happens to all of that repressed anger is it leaches out in something called resentment.
0: Okay. and and that I'm guessing is tied into um, the, the guilt that comes out of that all right I, I shouldn't I shouldn't have been angry I shouldn't have acted that way I shouldn't have uh, or or I should have done better and and just that kind of language
1: yes yeah and I think that continual frustration with yourself and the world around you for not being perfect um, can come out as these little spaces Barbs of resentment, which then lead to the guilt that you're talking about. Yeah, okay. Because type 1s have this core longing to be good, they they just long to hear you are good, which is motivated by their need to to have autonomy and respect like all body types. And for type 1, they will try and earn that autonomy and respect by doing good things, by doing the right thing, by always being on time, saying the right thing, expressing the right and appropriate emotion. And there's something that type 1s we talked about type 9s merging for a type 1 they do something called reaction formation. That is where an inappropriate response or reaction to a situation will be they will it it's a subconscious thing where they'll think hmm, what's the appropriate response to what was just what just happened to me? What's the most socially acceptable response? So instead of just reacting how they naturally would, they may smile and nod when inside they're really seething. <laughs> and that is a quick description of reaction formation.
0: Yeah, I've definitely experienced that. Yeah. And and that again is coming out of a place of uh, uh, they want to do the right thing. They don't yes. want to hurt the people around them. Um and so yeah, I, I love I love the fact that not, um, that ones uh, have been wired in a way that is very different to me. Um, I said one of my close friends is is a one. And he's very detailed and very organized. He, he details things in a way that it just makes sense. Uh, he's great at writing and researching and things that I'm just, you know, it, I struggle with. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful that he is part of my community because he has added so much to who we are as, as a community. Um, and you also mentioned earlier on about this, uh, this knowing right from wrong. And I found that one of the gifts that ones bring to the world, is the, this moral compass—the the knowing what is uh, the appropriate, the 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 moral best thing to do, uh, or or better yet, what not to do, right? And ones ones will more often than not tell you what shouldn't happen, as opposed to here's the best thing. But I've also found, and I think you'd agree with this, ones will rarely just tell you that sh- that's wrong. They almost always have a better option, right? They don't just say, yeah, that, that was bad. They're like, here's four things that we can do to improve that. Yeah. And I find that really helpful.
1: Mm. Yeah, they, they often are deeply committed to helping others be their best mm. and they want, they want things to work. They, they want it to be perfect. And even though I think deep down they know that perfection can't be attained, they, they, striving for it anyway is important to them. And trying their best and doing everything they possibly can, uh, that makes that helps them to sleep at night, and so they want to put in systems and organisations in place to make things work better.
0: Right, and and their work ethic, their work ethic is like on point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have the privilege of having. Two of our two producers working with us uh, mm. in the room next door. Hopefully, they're not listening, but uh, they are just so switched on. Like you and I can talk for hours and hours and just waffle on, which is what I'm currently doing right now. But they have the ability of of making getting what we need out of this conversation and turning making into something good <laughs> worth listening to. And so I'm very appreciative uh, for what they bring to the team. Mm. Now, there is a number of, uh, uh, of ways that ones happen to talk uh, in extremes, usually uh, phrases that uh, capture a lot of stuff. Um, you and I both have a number of close friends who are ones. Uh, what are some ways or some phrases that maybe you've heard um, them actually say? And again, we're saying this as a generalization, not to rip them down, but this is just for maybe you're listening to this thinking some of this resonates with me. I wonder if, if, if I'm a one or if, if my best friend is a one. Um, I wonder if these phrases you've heard them say or you've said yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. A couple come to mind straight away and I, I've often heard my type ones friends say, there is a right way to do something. Right, <laughs> there is, which implies there's there definitely lots wrong of wrong ways.
0: <laughs> one of the one of the other phrases that comes to mind is uh, something around the idea of look, I just want that organisation to be at its best, right? Like a uh, one can see the improvements that need to happen, and then have this desire to actually make it happen, uh, and that's a really good thing. Yeah. And so, if you are listening, and you're a one, uh, or you have a friend who's a one, uh, we we want to encourage you that what you think about yourself is not always true. This inner critic is not the Holy Spirit. What you are hearing these words uh, often, uh, more more often than not, lies or over-exaggerations. So. Our hope is that the people around you and yourself will give yourself grace and that you will know that uh, God has designed you with this amazing ability of, of knowing right from wrong and what you bring to the community, what you bring to your family and your friendships and your relationships, uh, something that. Many of us can't do. You reflect God in a way that so many of us uh, have no concept or ability to do. So we love you ones, and we are really appreciative of, of how God has designed you. All right, so in the body center, we've seen that there's this uh, this anger and this guilt that is sort of weaving throughout it. Um, and we don't want to leave you with just this negative thought like up, oh, deal with it. You got anger and guilt issues. No, there is good news in this because God actually speaks into this. Just like that crown of the, the thorns, the brokenness, God doesn't leave that crown there. He 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 produces and recreates this brand new crown of new humanity, this redeemed side. So God's response to those of you who are in this center right here is forgiveness. Right? You do not have to carry that guilt. Don't whip yourself. Don't, don't think it's on your shoulders to fix everything, to, to be the one who is the only one who can protect, to be the one who has to see uh, the right from wrong, to be the one who is the mediator. We have a better Mediator, We have a better protector. We have a better right and wrong person. His name is Jesus, and he has given us this good news. And this is the power of what it means to be his children and have that kingdom identity. So if that's you struggling in that area, forgiveness. God's given you grace. He's forgiven you, and he is accepting you as you are so that you can be changed to be more like him.
1: So, in this episode, we've given you a summary of the body or the gut intelligence center types. We hope we've given you some better understanding and clarity around how these types behave, what internally motivates them, and how to love them better. If you have any specific questions about types within the body intelligence center, or just questions about the intelligence center itself, please don't hesitate to contact us through our website or our Instagram account at the9design.
0: We have a few more things to look forward to in the coming episodes. The next episode, we're going to continue with the Heart Feeling Center. And don't forget, please, we need these questions. We're going to have a question response time, so send them through. It can be about anything we've covered or anything we haven't covered that you, you might have thoughts about. And we have a special guest at the end of the season.
1: Thanks for listening. If you found this podcast helpful, we would love you to subscribe, share with your friends and leave us a review as it helps more people find us. And remember, you were designed to reflect the original.